please describe for me how you would manage a patient who presents with an open ankle fracture following a motor vehicle accident. I would manage this patient as per updated BOST 4 2020 guidelines alongside my orthopedics colleagues. Provided this is an isolated injury, my priorities would be assessing and establishing limb perfusion, reducing the fracture dislocation, serially assessing the neurovascular status, administering IV antibiotics within one hour, and obtaining imaging such as a CT trauma. I would have a high suspicion for limb-threatening complications such as compartment syndrome and plan for urgent debridement and fixation, typically within 12 hours for high-energy injuries and within 24 hours for low-energy injuries. This will be done in a joint orthoplastic list with senior plastic and orthopedic surgeons. Walk me through your neurovascular exam for this patient. I would first palpate the dorsal pedis and posterior tibial pulses. If absent, I would reduce any swelling or limb positioning issues and recheck it. Still absent, that would be an indication for urgent surgical exploration. With palpable pulses, I would check motor function of the deep and superficial perineal and tibial nerves and map out sensory changes on the dorsum and sole of the foot. What antibiotics would you use for open fractures and what is the evidence for this regimen? I would follow a two-phase protocol IV antibiotics within one hour of injury, typically coamoxiclav followed by a change at second phase excision to IV vancomycin and gentamicin for gram-positive and negative coverage. This is based on evidence showing the first phase targets environmental flora, and the second phase covers nosocomial organisms that commonly infect wounds. When would you take this patient for their first debridement? For high-energy open fractures, guidelines recommend operative debridement within 12 hours versus 24 hours for low-energy. Only clear exceptions would be acute limb ischemia, gross contamination of the wound with marine agricultural or sewage sources, compartment syndrome, or a multiple injured patient that requires stabilization. Talk me through how you are going to perform the first debridement. I would consent the patient appropriately. In theater, it would be done under general anesthetic, supine, IV coamoxiclav at induction. I would send off swab and tissue specimens for microbiology. Under tourniquet control, I would perform sequential debridement from superficial to deep removing any revitalized tissues. I would extend the wound along the fasciotomy line carefully protecting the neurovascular bundles and perforators. This will enable me to deliver the bone end. I would remove any bone that fails the tug test. I would give the wound a thorough lavage with 6 liters of normal saline. I would then allow my orthopedic colleagues to perform external fixation of the fracture. I would temporaries the wound with a vac fessing with a view of returning to theater within 72 hours for definitive fixation and soft tissues reconstruction. In the interim, I would arrange for CT angiogram and ultrasound duplex scans. I will discuss the patient in an orthoplastic MDT meeting. Let's say this is an unsalvageable limb. What are your indications for primary amputation in lower extremity trauma? My absolute indications would be warm ischemia exceeding 6 hours, incomplete traumatic amputations with non-viable distal tissue and uncontrolled hemorrhage or severe crush requiring damage control. Relative indications include ischemic times of 4 to 6 hours, extensive muscle loss of more than two compartments, and absent plantar sensation in the context of an ischemic limb. I would also consider the patient's comorbidities and functional demands in equivocal cases. If you and your colleague decided to proceed with a below-knee amputation on this patient, walk me through your surgical approach. General anesthetic, supine IV coamoxiclav at induction, with thigh tourniquet. My preferred approach is doing a skewed flap. The skin flaps are meticulously marked ensuring the bone section is 10 to 15 centimeters below the tibial plateau and allows a minimum of 3 centimeters of the stump to protrude below the flexor tendons at 90 degrees knee flexion. 
The flap's posterior junction and midpoint are determined using a halved and quartered measuring tape. A 2 cm proximal extension of the scar improves access to the anterior tibial compartment. Incisions are made along the marked lines and the saphenous veins are ligated while preserving their arteries and avoiding nerves. The anterior tibial compartment muscles are divided to expose and secure the anterior tibial artery and vein, followed by division and ligation. The perineal muscles is similarly divided. The interosseous membrane is divided at the same level, and the periosteum elevated from the tibia and fibula. The tibia and fibula are cut with attention to creating a smooth curve on the tibia and dividing the fibula 2 cm proximal to the tibial bone section. The posterior muscle flap is fashioned and trimmed to ensure the stump is not overly wide. The perineal and posterior tibial neurovascular bundles are divided and ligated. Hemostasis is achieved with diathermy. A suction drain is placed near the bone ends before executing the myoplasty, where the muscle flap is folded forward and matched to the anterior tibial periosteum and fascia. The bone ends are then refined to achieve a smooth, atraumatic surface, ensuring the tibia is well-rounded and the fibula's angular margins are removed. Finally, the myoplasty is constructed by suturing the gastrocnemius soleus mass anteriorly, and the skin is closed in layer with vicral sutures.